So we uh, mentioned, I think in last week's class, that uh, the concept of Hakar Satov, uh, and as you know, that ended up being the topic of the uh, the drasha this uh, this past Shabbos. And I said that maybe we would go ahead and do this piece from the Mikhtar Melio, from uh, Rav Dessler, uh, regarding that uh, topic of Hakar Satov. And uh, so I, uh, I, I tracked uh, down that, uh, that piece. Uh, and it's a very long piece. It's actually like 10 pages, uh, which we're not going to do. But we're going to do really the second half of it, the part which uh, contains the, uh, the reference which I made in terms of Olam Haba being dynamic rather than, uh, than static. But he really starts off, we'll start from the beginning of this piece, because uh, also very uh, thankfully for us, it works out timing-wise, that it contains a reference to this week's Parsha. Okay, so this is, uh, it appears on your screen there? Okay, great. Looks good. Looks good. Okay, great. That means I successfully scanned and was able to make a PDF out of it. So thumbs up for me. That was one good deed for today. So he says that the title of the piece is Adhechan Magia Hakaras Tova. So what's the extent of Hakaras Tova? Like how much do you have to be Makir Tov? Do you have to acknowledge and recognize somebody did something good for you? What, you know, is, is there a limit to that? So he begins, he says, so he says in the previous piece, so really it's the first half of this piece, which we're not doing. So Chazal say, Bira deshasis mine maya, that if there is a well from which you drew water to drink, lo tishbide, lo tishdi be kala. So you should not throw a stone or a clump of dirt into it. In other words, on your way out, don't kick a bunch of dirt into that well or into that water supply because Adam chayv lahakir tova, because a person is obligated to give recognition and to show appreciation even for a domain. Domain is a word you're going to have to know for this piece, is an inanimate object. So even for an inanimate object from which one benefited, and being that there's an obligation to show hakarasatov, to show appreciation for even inanimate objects. So if you got benefits from a, from a water supply, from a well or a stream, you don't walk away from it and throw in your garbage or something of that, uh, that sort. And then he says, we find a similar halacha. Shulchan uh, Aruch says, Ein mavirin al that if somebody throws food on the floor or something, you're not allowed to walk over that food because food is something which is designed to nourish a person, and it's a sign of disrespect to walk over something. You see that in sports sometimes, that when one player walks over another player, so that's a great sign of, of disrespect. So in the same way, if you walk over food, even if you didn't throw that food on the floor, but just walking over the food and leaving it to sit on the floor, so that's a sign of disrespect, and it's something that, uh, that you're not allowed to do. I remember learning in yeshiva, this is what the, one of the things that stuck with me from yeshiva. Most did not. But this was something which did, is that uh, they, somebody gave a shmooze. I don't remember who it was or which yeshiva, but they gave a shmooze about hakara satov, and they said a similar idea to clothing. So clothing provides you with comfort, it provides you with protection, it provides you with the opportunity to look good, whatever it is. And when you're finished wearing the clothing for the day, to throw it on the floor, that's not showing hakara satov. You should be showing hakara satov for the clothing which uh, provided you with whatever the clothing does for you, and you don't throw it on the floor. You fold it up, you put it on a bed, you put it somewhere to show that uh, that you value what it contributed to your life. Yes, Ellen. 
I can't hear. Oh, try again. Maybe my volume was down. Nope, still though. Can you guys hear? Not yet. Can't hear you. We're not going to show Akara Satov to that uh, microphone <laughs> because the microphone's doing nothing right now. Okay. All right. So, so this is uh, this is the principle. Now he says, but when we think about this this uh, this concept, so he says it's something which is a little bit understand uh, 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 difficult to understand. Hareena bore the because when we're show, we're talking about showing hakarasatov to a water supply or to a food, so in the event that you disrespect that water supply or the food, they're not going to feel embarrassed or humiliated by what you do. They, they are inanimate objects. So inanimate objects also don't have feelings. So why do I have to be sensitive to the feelings of these inanimate objects? Uma bechlal mashmusa and just conceptually, what's this philosophical perspective that we're presenting over here that you have to show hakara satov, you have to show uh, appreciation for an inanimate objects? Normally you say thank you, because when you say thank you to a person, as we talked about on Shabbos, in terms of etiquette, so the person feels good that they were acknowledged and that you recognize that you, they did a favor for you. But the food isn't going to feel any better about itself because you lifted it up off of the floor. And the garment isn't going to feel any better because you took it off the floor and you put it on a bed or a hanger or on a hook or something like that. So what does it mean to show appreciation for something which won't even be able to feel that sense of appreciation? It won't feel appreciated. So if the, the inanimate object is not going to feel appreciated, so why am I showing appreciation? What, what's going to be gained by that? And then he says, and this is the part which is related to this week's parsha, so it was perfectly planned by me, <laughs> uh, that we should go ahead and we should do this uh, this particular week. But he said, we know, Amru Chazal, Binyan Makas Adam B'Mitzrayim. And Rashi quotes it, that Chazal teach us that when the, the first plague was going to be uh, was going to be performed. So the pasuk says, Hashem says, "Emor el Aaron," that Hakadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, "Tell Aaron to go ahead and take his stick and hit the water." So obviously, all of the Mefarshim wonder why was this instruction given to Aaron? Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu himself do it? So Rashi, quoting Chazal, says, "Lefi shehegin hayyor al Moshe kishenishlach letocho," because the Nile River uh, helped protect Moshe Rabbeinu because he was put in a basket and that basket went floating down the river. And ultimately because there was a river for uh, Yocheved to put Moshe Rabbeinu into. So that's what allowed Moshe Rabbeinu to survive. And therefore, Lafikach lo al yado. And therefore it was not appropriate for him to go ahead and hit the water, which had saved his life, which had uh, participated in saving his life. Velo bedam, velo and therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu could not participate actively in the plague of blood or the plague of frogs. And it had to be done by Aaron because it would have been a greater sign of disrespect for Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe Rabbeinu has a chiyuv, has an obligation of hakaras hatov to the Nile River. He's not worshiping it. We're not getting into Avodah but We're talking just in terms of demonstrating appreciation. And then we find the same thing by Kinim by the the, uh, the plague of lice, which was made out of the dirt or out of the sand. Emor al-Aaron, again, the Pasuk says, 
that Moshe Rabbeinu said, it was told, tell Aaron to do this. So lo vilkos Moshe. So the same idea. It would be inappropriate for Moshe Rabbeinu to go ahead and strike the dirt. Why? Because the dirt protected Moshe Rabbeinu. It was short-lived, but at least for a day or so, it protected Moshe Rabbeinu when he killed the Mitzri because he was able to bury the Mitzri body into the dirt. And therefore, for at least a day, he was saved and he wasn't caught. There wasn't a body to find. Because Moshe Rabbeinu buried him in the sand. And therefore, the and therefore, as it would have been inappropriate for Moshe Rabbeinu, who has an obligation of Hakar Satov to the water, and he has an obligation of Hakar Satov to the sand, because both of them helped save his life at some juncture in his life. So it would be disrespectful for him, it would be inappropriate, it would be lacking Hakar Satov for Moshe Rabbeinu to go ahead and create plagues by doing something bad to the water or to the dirt. And therefore, it had to be carried out by. Uh, by, uh, by by Aaron. But now this doesn't answer our question. He says this only uh, uh, reinforces our question because he says that from an intellectual perspective, and he's going to contrast the intellectual perspective and the emotional perspective, but he says from an, an intellectual perspective, so what exactly was, uh, why does Moshe Rabbeinu have to demonstrate any, uh, uh, any uh, uh, display of appreciation to the uh, to these inanimate objects, first of all, he says that what did the water actively do to save Moshe Rabbeinu? Water did nothing, right? The water just was; it's just a river which flows. So the river didn't actually do anything, and all it happened to be was that uh, Miriam happened to put him into a basket and send him running down river. But the it's not as if the river tried to save Moshe Rabbeinu, where you say a little something for the effort, so you got to show appreciation. They didn't do that. And furthermore, we, as we said, that it's not possible to embarrass or humiliate the water or the sand by not showing Hakara Satov. So it's not as if they're going to feel bad. A person, they did you a favor. So make sure you send everybody a, a, a thank you note after your bar mitzvah or bas mitzvah or, or after your wedding to show that, uh, you know, to show appreciation for the, for the effort. But over here, they're not going to receive the thank you note anyways. They're not going to be able to read it or appreciate it. So what, uh, what, what's the point of... Uh, What's the point of showing appreciation if that appreciation will not be felt by the recipient of that uh, appreciation? And then number three, he says, which is even more dramatic, he says, hold on a minute. He says, what was the whole point of doing the plague of blood, frogs, and lice? The point of those was to manifest the presence of God in this world. For God to be able to demonstrate, I am in charge of this world, you power are not in charge, and as a demonstration of my dominion in this world, I'm going to overturn nature. So that lake behind Ellen suddenly turns into blood, and it comes has swarms of frogs which are, which are piling out over there. So all of a sudden, all of that happens. So this is a Kiddush Hashem. Right, we consider the the ten plagues to be a kiddush Hashem rather than some sort of chil Hashem. So they should have loved to participate in sanctifying God's name. They're part of nature. They recognize. They know that they come from God. So why wouldn't they be excited to participate in saving the Jewish people, being mekadesh shem shemaim, giving of themselves in order to sanctify God's name? So why wouldn't they be thrilled to participate in that way? 
So intellectually, that's what we would think the reaction should be towards the blood and the dirt. Here, you did me a favor. Now I'm going to use you as a catalyst to sanctify God's name in this world. And the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the water should have done the wave, literally, and <laughs> should have gone ahead and, and done so, uh, to be, sorry, to be thrilled by, uh, by, by that opportunity. And yet, we see that he had the Shah Karasatov and wasn't allowed to do so. So what's the story behind all of this? So now he says, Yesod gadol umakit bekochos ha-nefesh ha-odam ha-mizgalo lanu bazeh. He said that there is a fundamental principle, Yesod gadol, a great foundation, umakit, and it's all-encompassing in terms of kochos ha-nefesh, in terms of the character of a person, is revealed to us, is now uh, uncovered through this. And that is, so our character traits are influenced and are going to be adjusted, are going to be uh, influenced by our emotions. Emotions are going to play a major part in our, our midos. And there are some things which you cannot control and you're not going to be able to tap into fully and utilize fully just with the intellect. There's a whole emotional, there's IQ and EQ. So there's the, uh, the, inter, the intellectual part of our, our Avodah Hashem. But Rav Dessler says that when it comes to the development of our character, it's not enough to intellectualize what good character and what etiquette is. It has to be something which is experienced emotionally. That's a major and all-encompassing aspect of our uh, emotional development, of our character development. And therefore, if we don't go ahead and demonstrate appreciation, even for an inanimate object, which gave us some sort of benefit, which helped us in some way, the and certainly if we go ahead and we uh, benefited from something, and then we turn around from that object that we benefit from, and we are destructive toward it, or we're disrespectful towards it, or we just discard it, and we just pretend as if it's uh, it's nothing. So what happens is, nifga haregesh, our emotions become damaged. So this is something which is going to impact negatively our emotional state. She'enu magiv rak behetem because it's not possible to go ahead and match this and express this with intellectual, with logic by itself. It's something which is deeper than logic, and it's something which has to experience has to be experienced on an emotional level. Hergesh shall bow malasachesed. So he says that the emotion, if somebody's going to be a bal chesed, somebody's going to be uh, 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 the embodiment of a chesed person, of somebody who does favors for others. So the emotion is the major part of that. You can't intellectualize chesed. There's a certain element of, of intellectual uh, analysis and creativity about how to do chesed, perhaps, but it has to be something which is felt and is experienced on an emotional level. Where you want to go ahead and you want to provide and give benefit to others. And it's an emotion that I want to express thanks and appreciation. 
for anything which provided me for any benefit whatsoever, whatever that benefit is, whatever the, the comfort is that I had. So it's important that I, I feel compelled and I feel emotionally that I should be expressing appreciation and thanks for that. Behold Surah Shahi, in whatever form that is, whatever form of benefit that is, and even the fact that you have an inanimate object, which is providing me with some sort of benefit and some sort of comfort and some sort of uh, advantage in my life. So it's necessary for me on an emotional level to acknowledge that, to recognize that, and be willing to express that appreciation. And then he says, the rule of thumb is, that if you do something which is not good on an emotional level, so that is something which is going to negatively impact your character. So a person who can't emotionally feel a sense of appreciation, a sense of, of thanks for, to, to something else which provided a benefit, so that's going to impact your character in terms of Akara Satov. You're just not going to be as good of a makir tov if it's not something which is experienced um, uh, emotionally. Umemela, as we just said, umemela nivgemes midas hakarasatov. And therefore, if your hakarasatov is not rooted, is not connected to your emotion, to, to your EQ, your emotional quotient, so then it's not going to be able to manifest itself fully, and you're not going to be able to tap into the full power of your Hakar Satov. And we'll see in a, a little bit later on in this piece why one wants to be able to tap into that full power of Hakar Satov. But, he's, but the, his principle is, is that the, uh, these elements of character development are strongly rooted in your EQ rather than your IQ. And therefore, you have to make sure that you're sensitive to that. And your EQ demands showing Hakar Satov even to inanimate objects. Now he says, now this is, I appreciate very much in the, the beginning of this next paragraph, how he plays out the difference between your IQ and your EQ in terms of its worldview, in terms of its perspective. So he says, So it's true, the intellect is able to see far off in the distance. So your intellect, so that's characterized by the wise person who's able to look into the future, is able to anticipate the future, can be proactive. That's the nature of the intellect. The intellect says, if I do this, what's going to be the consequence? And what will be the consequence of that? And what's going to be the consequence of that? That's all an intellectual exercise. That's all part of the IQ. Vidan, and therefore the intellect, vidan al And if you intellectualize it, so you look at, listen, we need to go ahead and we need to uh, force uh, Paro into submission until he's going to free the Jewish people. And in the process, we want to go ahead and demonstrate that God is the creator of the universe and continues to run the universe. And therefore, we're going to use nature as a tool in order to be able to demonstrate all of that. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to turn the river into blood. And that way, that's going to be our first demonstration, the first manifestation of God's existence. So intellectually, you say, this is a great thing we're doing. We're taking the river, we're turning it into blood. This is going to be step one of 10 steps, which are going to demonstrate God's dominion over the entire universe. And we're making some headway. And this is going to ultimately lead to Shehikidah Hashem. 
that this is going to lead to a sanctification of God's name, because for the rest of eternity, Klai Yisrael is going to say, we're going to remember this great event of, of the Exodus. And part of that process, the first step in that process was the transformation of the river and the bodies of water into blood. So intellectually, we're doing a great thing. We're doing a huge mitzvah. We're doing a huge Kiddush Hashem. But that's when you look at the plague of, of Dam from, with your IQ. So when you look at it with your IQ, you say, we're doing great stuff over here. But Lokain, Hergish, Hanizon, Mehamitrachesh, Behoveh. And this is interesting for our therapists over here. So he says, this is not true when it comes to your EQ, because your EQ is nourished, that's the Nizon, the EQ is nourished from what you're experiencing in the moment. The intellect is able to look off in the distance, off in the future, and see what the long-term benefit of this is. Your EQ experience, emotions are always experienced in the moment, and therefore it's something which right now in the moment, so what am I going to experience if Moshe Rabbeinu were to go ahead and hit the water and transform that into blood? What's going to be Moshe Rabbeinu's emotional experience in that moment? Not his IQ, not what his IQ tells him of the, the benefit of the long-term outcome, but right now, in this moment, what's Moshe going to experience? And obviously, the, uh, the EQ is going to be influenced, that's the mushpa, the EQ is going to be heavily influenced by what this eyes see right now at this moment. I just went ahead and I hit the river, I damaged the river, which early in my life saved my life. That's all the EQ is going to experience in that moment. All it's going to see is the act of hitting the river, which, as we said, earlier in his life saved his life. So this is something which, that contrast of how can I go ahead and hit something which saved my life, it's uh, some earlier point, how can I go ahead and do that? And if he were to do that, despite the IQ, which is saying that this is a great thing, and you're doing a mitzvah, and it's a kiddush Hashem, and all, you could say, and whatever you're going to go ahead and compose, and you can sing and dance, and you can have whatever's going to go on, but there's nothing to do with your EQ. Your EQ in the moment is going to say, you just hit the river. The river saved your life. You're alive today because of the river, and you just hit it and turned it into blood. So nimsa, that the damage to his emotional state, his EQ that Moshe Rabbeinu would experience by hitting the river, that would have a negative impact on Moshe Rabbeinu's sense of Akar Satov. His overall perspective, his overall experience of Akar Satov on the EQ level is going to be negatively impacted in the event that he were to hit the river and transform that into blood. And this is something which HaKadosh Baruch Hu would not allow, did not want this to happen, that Moshe Rabbeinu's EQ and his, his proper sense of, uh, of HaKar HaSatov should be damaged, even though the IQ says that this is a great mitzvah and it's a Kiddush Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wasn't willing to risk the damage that it could potentially do to Moshe Rabbeinu's EQ, and therefore he went ahead and said, you know what? We're going to have somebody else do these plagues. We're going to outsource these plagues. First three plagues, Datsach, they're going to be outsourced to, uh, to Moshe Rabbeinu. We didn't have to go all the way to the Far East in order to, uh, to outsource back in the day. It was enough to go ahead and just uh, have your brother go ahead and do that. And he says, and that's why, 
he says that a person has to spend time developing this trait of hakara satov to develop it to its fullest. Because when a person, this is what we were talking about on Shabbos, ki al yada, because if a person goes out and develops a good sense, they, they, they cultivate their sense of akara satov fully. So yilmad lahakiras gedulas chasad of yisbarach im kolabriya. So then that will allow you to be able to see many more chasadim, many more great things that Kosh Baruch Hu does in all of creation. Not just the experiences of your life, but you'll be able to experience what's happening in the world around you, have a karasato for all of those different things as well. And that's something which is a tremendous value to a person's valyada, Yidbak Kosh Baruch Hu. And with that fine-tuned uh, sense of Hakara Satov, that cultivated and nurtured sense of Hakara Satov, of appreciation. So this will ultimately, the end game of this is going to be that a person is going to be connected and attached to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's why this is such a uh, such an essential thing. And he says, Amr Chazal, and Chazal t- teach us that amazing uh, parallel which they make over here. But it, it's perfectly in line with what he's explaining. That somebody who does not acknowledge, and even worse than not acknowledging, somebody who's kofer, somebody who denies a favor done for them by a friend, that's a person who does not, his, not only have they not cultivated a sense of Akara Satov, but they've actually damaged their sense of Akara Satov. And if you cannot show, one who cannot show Akara Satov to a friend, ultimately they're not going to be able to have Akara Satov to Akarish Baruch Hu either. Because you need to, you need to work on this, uh, this trait in a developmental sense. And the developmental sense is going to go from the people around you, and then it's going to go to the broader scheme of Akarish Baruch Hu. And you can't skip that step and say, I'm going to ignore all of the favors and all the good things which people around me do for me, and I'm just going to have a Karasatov to Baruch Hu. You'll have no experience. You'll have no, uh, no frame of reference to be able to develop that, uh, th- that trait. And that is because because the capacity to show appreciation and to, show, uh, to give thanks uh, to anybody all comes from the same roots. It comes from the same area of the EQ. And there's no way that a person could develop it for HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not develop it for a person. Because they come from the same thing. It's the same trait. So either you develop the trait and it manifests in both of those arenas, or you do not develop that trait and you won't have it in both arenas. But a person isn't going to be able to divide into HaKar Satov in this direction, but not HaKar Satov in that direction. It just doesn't work. And therefore... And therefore, if a person does not have a well-developed sense of Hakar Satov to others, then inevitably, that person is going to be incapable of seeing and recognizing and appreciating the kindnesses that Hakar Baruch Hu does for you. And then, and this is what he's going to get into now, and what that, the, the consequence of that, besides the fact that you'll have a miserable life because you can't show appreciation, gratitude and appreciation is a fundamental part of, a, a good fundamental part of mental health. But on top of that, he says, it's going to be something which is going to have eternal impact because in Olam Haba, a person is going to be missing the tools which is the tool which we're referring to as Midas Hakara Satov, the trait of 
uh, appreciation, which is the whole point of Olam Haba, is to be able to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that connection which we will, that which we anticipate, and we're in a sense investing towards, and working towards in this world, to be able to be connected with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the next world, if we don't have a developed sense, a mature sense of HaKadosh Atov, now, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to experience that in Olam Haba. And we'll just, as we're going to see now, we'll sort of be stuck in that place. And that's uh, th- that's it. And he says, not only that, but he says that the whole capacity to have a flourishing Olam Haba. So again, this, and he's going to develop this um, uh, uh, more fully. But this idea of having a dynamic Olam Haba, an Olam Haba which is not static, but one which grows and flourishes and is able to spread. So the seed necessary to have that dynamic Olam Haba, that dynamic Olam Haba experience, so that the seed which allows for that is Hakar Satov. It's going to be this trait specifically, which is going to allow you to experience a dynamic Olam Haba rather than one which is static. Why is this so? So he says, thank you for asking. I'll go ahead and I'll explain to you why exactly this is so. So he says, because the Gemara Chazal tell us that what's going to happen in Olam Haba Again, the best that we could describe it in uh, vocabulary, in human terminology, in a vocabulary. But the best that we could do is shenenin meziv hashchina. Assume that everybody's heard that phrase before. That one is going to benefit. That's the nenin meziv, the shine of the shchina. So the divine presence is going to be this magnificent light. It's going to be like a heat lamp. Sometimes you go into a, you know, you go into Home Depot. So right when you walk in out of the cold, I don't know what they have in Florida, but right when you walk in out of the cold, they have that heat lamp on the, uh, on the, uh, by the entrance over there. So as soon as you go in, you feel comfortable because there's a blast of heat that hits you. So the Neni Meziva Shrin is going to be a similar type of thing. It's going to be light. It's going to be pleasant. It's going to be warm. It's going to have all of the, uh, the, uh, the, the good senses, which are, uh, which, which we're going to like. It won't be a fish smell. So it'll have all of the good things which are, which are going on. It'll be a steak which is grilling over there. So that's what's going to be the enjoyment of the Shechina. So Zoe, obviously, enjoying the Shechina is not going to be eating a steak. It's a spiritual pleasure that a person has. Where does that spiritual pleasure derive from? So it's going to be the spiritual pleasure which each person is going to experience, which will be revealed to each person. Each person, according to uh, what he has accomplished, what he has earned for himself, let's say it like that. So each person, according to what he earned, from um, the uh, the all of the revelations, which uh, of the way that uh, creation uh, unfolded in the way creation conducted itself. So as we as we said, that it's going to encompass what we're going to be able to see and experience and, and enjoy is a movie of uh, all of creation, all the way from the beginning of creation with the six days of creation, all the way from Breshis Bar Elokim, all the way to the end of time. And that's the movie which is going to be shown to us. And we're going to be able to see there will be revelations within that which over the day-to-day experiences of our life, 
we didn't notice and we weren't attentive to. But now that we have the end of the story, like any good mystery. So at the beginning of the mystery novel, there's a bunch of, there's a chapter or two, which gives all sorts of like random details and random stuff, which you don't know why the author is doing that other than that he's paid by the word. And then when you get to the end of the story and you see how all of those details now come into place and they're actually quite significant because they set the scene and they tell us who we're dealing with and their skills and their experiences and all of that. Suddenly all of that now makes perfect sense why you had those opening scenes because that, uh, that uh, reveals the, uh, the plot. So in the same way as we're going through page by page, chapter by chapter through world history, so we don't always catch all of the nuances of what exactly is taking place. But sometimes there's uh, where we, we uh, but at the end of days, so we'll be able to see all of those things. And that's why, like the end of Kohela says, Sof davar hakol nishma. That's a, a, either the last pasuk or the second last pasuk in Kohelis, where we say that Sof davar, at the end of all, at the end of everything, hakol nishma. Everything will be heard, meaning that we will hap. We'll understand everything which took place. And Kol um, all of creation, Mirishisad Sofa, to go lail kesefer Torah. I love the imagery. That what you're going to have is nowadays we would say that it's a, like a film reel or something like that. But the muscle he gives is that all of world history is going to be written on a scroll like a sefer Torah. So you have Bracious, that's the beginning of time, and it goes all the way through this before they had digital movies. So you had it re- on your reel to reel. So you would have the beginning of the reel all the way to the end of the reel, and that's going to contain the entirety of world history and certainly the entirety of Jewish history, and it's going to contain the entirety of your life. Asherbo, and the what's going to be contained in this scroll or this reel is ksuvim kolamaisivama oros, all of the events and all of the um, uh, everything which happened, shokoladoros of all generations, the totality of history, kede lilamet es yizbarach, in order to be a demonstration of God's honor. Because as we said, suddenly we're going to see how God was actively involved in everything which happened. There's nothing which is random. There's nothing which was outside of God's purview. There's nothing which wasn't planned and wasn't part, didn't contribute to the, to the end of the story. And we'll suddenly see details of generations in details in individuals' lives and things which don't make any sense and things which are scary and things which, are, which frighten us. Suddenly at that time, we'll be able to see how all of those things were part of some bigger picture. They contributed toward that bigger picture. And then he says that cult tzaddik kefi kocho yirebo niflos midas hanhagasa yizbarach imo. And every tzaddik, based on his level of righteousness, is going to be able to see wondrous things which HaKadosh Baruch Hu did over the course of Jewish history, and over the course of world history, I should say. V'im kol hamon briosav, and things which HaKadosh Baruch Hu did with all of creation, you know, every moment that the universe exists, there's miracles which are going on, which are contributing to the existence of this world, and many of them we just don't see, we don't hop, we don't appreciate, we don't uh, understand that they're taking place. So therefore, we just sort of take it for granted. This is where it gets a little bit scary. And what also we, will be revealed is all of the choices which we made over the course of our lifetimes, as well as all of the actions, all of our, all of our activities. So our lives will also be displayed for everybody to watch. 
as well as how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there protecting you and watching you and guarding you and making sure that you are okay over the course of your lifetime. Also, things which we don't realize and things which we don't chap, but all of those different things. Vadiktuk hanifla bidinam. And how everything was done with tremendous, tremendous precision. Because Baruch was able to measure, you know, to a millionth of an inch or something like that, to make sure that every detail along the way, nothing is superfluous, nothing is unnecessary. Everything was there for the exact, for a specific person. And we'll be able to see the reward and the punishment. And all of the great things, all of the great kindnesses, which were done. And he says, this is now, this is, uh, it's amazing. He says, these great revelations, which we will see in Olam Haba, and the enjoyment that we have when we say, oh my gosh, that's why that happened. Now I understand that hop that you have when something didn't make any sense and you finally get it. Finally, you know, figure out the New York Times crossword puzzle, that one word that you couldn't figure out and now everything falls into place or the challenging Sudoku puzzle. He said, oh, now that I have this box, everything now works perfectly. So that that, that pleasure and that uh, the enjoyment that one experiences when suddenly everything falls into place or you get to end of that movie or the end of the book and suddenly you realize now how everything uh, is going to, uh, to, to fit in so that pleasure and enjoyment, that is the reward of Olam Haba. Olam Haba isn't really eating steak, it isn't really, uh, you know, going to uh, to shallots or going to uh, whatever restaurant it's going to be, uh, carving station, you know, with uh, with salami and roast beef and uh, salami and stuff like that, as tempting as that may be. But real Olam Haba is going to be the ability to enjoy seeing how how perfectly uh, uh, perfectly HaKadosh Baruch Hu ran the world and how everything which happened, not only collectively, but individually, everything was just absolutely perfect in order to bring about the desired re- result. And that is going to be the pleasure which we experience in Olam Haba. It's not a physical pleasure. It's going to be this emotional pleasure which we're going to have. But then he says, and this is uh, the, uh, the idea, that uh, that Olam Haba, so oftentimes when we think about Olam Haba, one of the challenges we have when we try and think about Olam Haba is we have the awareness that Olam Haba is something which we will experience after we're dead. So after being dead, after 120 at the very least, so how are we going to be able to experience something which in, in a dead state, dead doesn't sound like it's very much fun. It sounds like a pretty uh, uh, dormant over there. Nothing, not much is going on in a room of dead people. It's not the party you want to, <laughs> you want, you want to go to. So how exactly, so uh, what, what's going to be the story with that? So that comes from a misconception because he says, it's an amazing statement, which he says, because the world to come, the truth is, is the world to come, is it going to be a bunch of zombies which are walking around the walking dead? But rather, Olam Haba is Olam Shalchayim. It's a world of the living, Shaltzmicha, of growth, organic growth, Va'aliyah, and being able to rise. So again, we think of it that once a person's dead, we think of it from a very physical perspective that the body's put into the ground and that's it. The body's just there and it's not going anywhere. And it's, uh, hopefully it's not, it's not moving. But we don't think of it in terms of its spiritual character. And what's actually going to be going on is that it's going to be a place which is very much alive, conducive to growth and conducive to being able to, to rise up. The low rak matzav kavua shel hana. 
And it's not as if we're locked in one place and the pleasure is just going to come to us for the rest of eternity when we're in a single place. Because as we all know, if you went to a uh, shallots, that's the uh, the fancy Fleischer restaurant over here. If you went to shallots every day for lunch, after a couple of weeks, it would be boring. You wouldn't enjoy it anymore because you had everything on the menu. There's nothing exciting anymore. It's not a treat. Part of it being a treat is the fact that it's special, it's different, and you don't do it all of the time. So in the same way, if Olam Haba was the same experience day in and day out, we can talk about days uh, from the perspective of Olam Haba, but if Olam Haba was static and we're just in our place and it's just the same experience moment after moment after moment, that gets boring after a while. The excitement of Olam Haba, the enjoyment of Olam Haba, the pleasure of Olam Haba is the fact that it will be dynamic and will always be changing because we'll always be seeing new insights. We'll be able to develop a deeper sense of appreciation for all of the things which God has done. And it's going to be endless. It's going to be endless how much appreciation we're going to be able to develop. And we'll never be stuck in that, Stuck. In, hopefully, we'll never be stuck in a place. And that's why it says, the Navi says, again, the imagery is beautiful. He says, I'm going to make you a walker, meaning a person who walks amongst those who are standing still. So the Navi Zechariah is, is creating this, uh, this imagery over here that there are some people, as we're going to see, the people who did not develop their Hakara Satov, they're actually going to be locked in place and they're not going to be moving at all and they're sort of stuck where they are. But those who are Sadiqi and those who have developed, it, it, for the purpose of this essay, those who have developed their sense of Hakara Satov, so they're not going to be, they're going to be mahalchim. They're going to be moving around and they're going to be milling around and getting closer and closer to the Shekhinah because that's where all the action is and that's where all the, the pleasure and the, uh, the goodness is going to come from. In other words, somebody who has spent time during their lifetime developing their EQ, their emotional quotient of Hakara Satov, of the, the, the need to be appreciative and thankful and to have a fine-tuned sense of gratitude towards others. So that person is going to experience in terms of the reward for the, uh, the of, of the portion of reward which they are going to receive in Olam Haba, in the world to come. It's going to be Gilui Gadol. It's going to be this overwhelming and all-encompassing revelation in this all-powerful revelation of HaKash Baruch Chesed. Remember, as we saw in previous uh, essays, that Olam Chesed Yibana, HaKash Baruch created the universe in order to bestow kindness, in order to do Chesed with mankind, with mankind collectively, with the Jewish people specifically. So the whole purpose of the world is chesed, which means, and there's no way that Baruch Hu failed in that endeavor of trying to provide, uh, trying to do chesed, which means at the core of every event which happens in this world, we have to be able to see chesed. And somebody who has developed and nurtured their sense of akar satov, they will see in Olam Haba, now that they have the full picture from beginning to end, they'll be able to see and appreciate all of these elements of chesed, which we overlooked over the course of our lifetime because we didn't have the end of the story. We thought it was just a random detail. It makes no sense. It seems to be the opposite of chesed. Many times we, we see things. But in Olam Haba, when we have finally the full picture, the pleasure and the enjoyment will be 
to finally be able to recognize in see, in discern how every aspect of our lives, every aspect of the, of, of the Jewish history, all of that has been chesed. From beginning to end, it's one theme of chesed all the way through. Umizeh, and once we absorb that, and once we begin to see that and experience that, so then, titzmach his pachtus shel So that's going to open up the, the portals of pleasure. Meziv hashchina, from the revelation, the shine and the, the warmth of the divine presence, ad ein shir, and it's going to be uh, uh, infinite. There's going to be no end to the amount of pleasure and enjoyment that we can have from that, because once we begin to see that chesed, so then we're going to be overwhelmed by all of those things which, uh, which we saw. And this is something, this is, we'll call this step one towards uh, develop, uh, towards uh, our understanding of why Hakar Satov is, is an essential prerequisite for Olam Haba, to be able to experience it uh, fully. And, um, right. Okay, so we'll hold it over here this uh, for this week. So pick it up from here, Emir Hashem, next week. Let me get rid of this shit. And uh, so thank you all for coming. And Mirza Hashem on Thursday.